And then I had a, a lady that needed to be sent home to Jamaica and they were like, eh, just put her on a plane. It's fine. Wait, you don't need permits? You don't need, no, just stick her on a plane. So I kept calling the funeral home in, in Jamaica going, are you sure? Was it first class at least? No, no. <laughs> no, but it just, it was too easy. So then I felt like I was doing something wrong. We got a trooper here today, ladies and gentlemen. We have Dawn, who is coming to us, and she is just wrapping up her COVID vacation. Are you calling it a vacation right now, Dawn? <laughs> I, you know, I'll, I'll take it where I can get it. <laughs> she just is getting her probably first day off in uh, years and years being a funeral director, but we appreciate you coming on despite... Uh, you being a little bit under the weather. Uh, how has that experience been going from being a funeral director to, to, to staying at home for a little bit? It's something that we don't get to do very often. Ooh, you know, the first thing I would say is it was majorly anxiety inducing because, yeah. you know, when you're taking care of families and you're staying on top of everything and you want to make sure that they're taken care of on time and then funeral directors are really bad about taking time off of work. So mm -hmm. having a doctor say, nope, you've got to be home. I, it wasn't, it wasn't a vacation at that point. Um, no, sure. I, no, no, lots of um, hurried emails and texts sent to coworkers and, you know, lots of apologies. Um, but I, I've gotten more sleep the last couple of days than I probably have in the last few years. So it's, it's kind of a good toss up. Hopefully you got a little bit of a recharge. What have you been doing then uh, with your time? Uh, are you just sitting on the obituary page and refreshing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, no, I did. I did sleep a lot the first day. Um, mm -hmm. Thought, oh, good. I can watch all the TV shows I never get to watch. But I am such a doer that I've just yeah. been really going stir crazy. Just, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, trying, trying to relax, trying to keep, I have four kids. So trying to keep the four kids from, getting sick and going down like dominoes. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't blame you. That's going to be a hard thing. I remember uh, during the peak of it uh, a few years ago, my dad and I, we, we worked together and uh, per, per uh, family funeral home and we both got COVID or one of my uncles who's works with us got it, whatever. And we didn't want to get the rest of our, our family sick. I think we were trying to go somewhere on a trip or something to escape. And so we stayed at the funeral home, just him and I, we slept over for like three or four nights straight. And I'll never forget it. Like we brought out this old grill that we had in the basement of the funeral home. And we were like cooking out outside and we were sleeping in the chapels, like on the couches. And it, it honestly was pretty fun. Like it was uh, a different uh, experience that I haven't really gotten to, although we did have sleepovers as kids at the funeral home, but that's <laughs> a different story. So, um, it, you know, I, th I feel like all of us funeral directors had a different experience, um, you know, probably with COVID. I remember when I was sick, I like I still was in the prep room working when I could because it was like at that point, it was like nothing you could do. It's like, you, we need you. And, yeah. you know, you're quarantined in there, so to speak. So uh, it was it was a tough time, I'm sure for you a tough time too, just, just having to be constrained. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and especially when, when COVID first hit, so my youngest daughter has down syndrome and is immunocompromised. 
And so, you know, when everything first started and I did my first pickup where I had to go into the COVID unit, the hospital and, you know, sprayed down and through all the hanging yeah. It, it was scary. You know, I, I ended up calling my parents and being like, hey, maybe you need to take my kids for a couple of weeks because we just didn't know what to expect. Right. But there was a comfort, this is going to sound strange, but there was a comfort at, of being at the funeral home because that is your second home. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was not an easy time, but it was definitely like, okay, I, you know, I, I'm stuck in this home, but it's still a home to me. So. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was just crazy times. And I mean, I remember making removals and they would put a, a thermometer to your forehead and things, and right. you have to sign all these waivers to go into nursing homes. And it was just like, literally thinking about it now, I was like, that was a crazy, right. crazy time. 10 people in a chapel at a time and families coming in waves. And uh, we had, this is before we, we made renovations at our funeral home, but this was before then. And because it was actually the perfect time to do renovations at the funeral home, because when else you can have the opportunity to do it? Because there's no, there's always people. But we had duct tape that we put on the ground for like the line, like the line to get up to like the casket. So there was duct tape, and it we had it going throughout the whole funeral. Home. Like it was obviously so cheesy, but it was just to try to get people to to space out and things when we had like a you know a young person pass away. It was just craziness. Yeah, yeah, it was. Was that around the time? So what was that experience like for you back then? Were you just getting going being a funeral director around then? So how did how did that come to be in the first place? Like what made you be like, I'm going to jump into funeral service right now? It sounds like a good time. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I, as funeral directors, we get asked that all the time. Oh, yeah. Why did you choose this? And I don't have a cool story. I really don't. Um, yeah. I just, I've always had a morbid curiosity about mm-hmm. what, funeral homes do to take care of our loved ones. Um, I I had just become a single mom and I was an aerialist. So I was the gymnast that would climb ropes and silks and do flips, right? Flips from the ceiling. Um, That comes in handy as a funeral director. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it it definitely did strength wise, you know, if I had to go on a removal by myself and, You know, they tell you, oh, 200 pounds and you get there and then the removal is actually 280 pounds. You know, I don't have that strength anymore. But um, (laughs) no, I just I um, I was I was teaching more than anything at that point as an aerialist and realizing money wise, you know, I wasn't making any money at all. Yeah. And so then I got this really great harebrained idea to go to school to be a funeral director and make no money as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just I I've always had to have a kind of job where I'm helping somebody. I, I don't yes. feel like it's worth my time unless I'm there to help. And I did I did have a friend that we lost a few years ago that the experience of the funeral home coming in and taking care of it was my best friend's husband. And so unexpected, we were in our 20s. Yeah. And from that moment, it was just like, oh, I could do this. You know, I, I want to be there to walk that journey with families when they don't know what to do. Right, right. So, I mean, that's kind of the short, not very exciting story of. <laughs> yeah, you just jumped right in. We're I gonna did. Have to, we're going to have to get in a little bit. Of, I, this is a show about funeral homes, funeral directors and all things death and such. But but I want to know about this aerialist. Like, what was this career like? 
how how did you get there? And can you do something on camera right now for us? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I wish I could. I really wish I could do something for you. I don't have the equipment. Um, so you know that that really was kind of a similar thing. I I had been a stay at home mom for a very long time. I needed to get out of the house. I wanted to exercise. And I had a friend that told me I should do a pole dance class, which of course, you know, my then husband and I at the time were like, what? And so I I tried it. I went, it was kind of, it became kind of the joke where I went to this aerial studio and to do a pole class. And then I just never left. Mm -hmm. So the owner there ended up um, paying to send me to get trained and certified and teach and then perform. Um, And I just, I loved it. Um, But there's, there's not a lot of money in it and there's not any health insurance in it. So, you know, after a while when you're sitting 18 feet in the air about to drop and you think if I miss, that's that. So it just kind of, became, you, no. you would have you became your own client. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what was like, what was like your go-to trick then? Uh, you know, what, what was your thing? Ooh, I mean, I was much more the art, like I preferred to dance. So I did a lot more of actual dancing with incorporating the trip, the tricks. Um, But I don't even know if I remember all the names of the different tricks and stuff anymore. Um, I was working on what's called a C shape where when they wrap themselves up and they just roll all the way down. Um, It's actually really, really hard to do. Um, That was the course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, a bit, yeah, mostly just, I would dance and try to do a couple of double flips here and there and drops and that kind of thing. That's, that's super interesting. Very cool. So from that, you're like, okay, time to be a funeral director. All right, great. What, what, what was your first experience like? Like your first time seeing a dead body or your first embalm, do you have a good story uh, from that? It's one of those experiences. Yep. You know, I, well, I feel like I do. So, so I, I got enrolled into uh, mortuary college mm-hmm. and was all set to go on campus and COVID hit yeah. and shut everything down. And so we were kicked online for school. And so I started at that time, I started working for the, a big city's medical examiner and I had not done an embalming. I had not seen a dead body and got this job and the you very got thrown in then if you're working for the medical examiner i did i did so my very first day um we worked in teams of two and the death investigator came in and said we have a suicide you know a young man in his 20s mm-hmm. let's go ahead and go and i didn't i don't know what i was expecting i i didn't know what to expect they don't really train you they just kind of go okay you know here's your scrubs here's your gloves put on a mask good luck and when we got there, they had the ballistics team in the apartment with him because he still had the gun in his hand. Oh, and so that was terrifying to me. Yeah. And so we all had to stand out in the hallway of this apartment. And it was the kind of apartment like a hotel. So it, like the doors are inside the hallways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. And we're standing out there, myself, my partner, with a whole bunch of different police officers, detectives. And I guess I expected it to be this very solemn, serious, oh. respectful experience of, you know, waiting for ballistics to get the gun. And yeah, I don't, I, I, but it was not. It was the police officers whispering and laughing and using humor, which I now understand using yeah. humor through it. Yeah. 
But at the time I was mortified. I was like, how can you guys stand out here and make these jokes? One of the police officers thought it would be funny to then yell bang, make it sound like the gun had gone off so that all of us jumped in the floor. And I think that really was the first moment where I went, oh, okay, like this is <laughs> this is how we're going to get through this. This is kind of breaking that tension. Um, and then, you know, we would finally yeah. were able to go in to get this poor young gentleman and rigor headset. And so I'm trying to be professional and not look like I don't know what I'm doing, but I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and we're trying to move this poor guy into the body bag that uh-huh. you, you can't move him. Mm-hmm. So it was... Probably like, what's going on here? <laughs> right. I mean, it was, it, and then, you know, we get him on the gurney. We had to park in the parking garage with our van. And when we were going out, a lady opened the door that was just coming in to go home and just oh, kind no. of was like, oh, hi. Oh, right. Like, we're just like, oh, sorry. It's always that look. Yeah. 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 So it was. That's, yeah, that is funny. And you always get that look, whether you're at a, a nursing home or some an apartment building or even like a hospital and like you have to go through that, like that one hallway that there's still mm-hmm. patients and you're just like mm, you're scooting with the cot like going through <laughs> but i i think we we all can resonate with with that laughter and it, it just it makes me think about how people that aren't in the industry in the in- industry like us and they see some things that we do like whether it's like a podcast like this or like different social media stuff people don't they don't understand like the humor that mm-hmm. you need to have behind it. It's not even like, we're not making fun. We're not trying to offend anyone and it's not funny situations, but you need to make some light with what we're doing because otherwise you just drive yourself absolutely bonkers. Mm-hmm. And you, and it's like, we, we can resonate with each other and we can understand like these different situations and life it would be miserable if you had just had to go through with that somber mentality 24 seven, you can't like, you wouldn't be able to do it. I don't think. And that's why it's like when you're surrounded with those people that you can bounce the jokes off of and make it a little bit lighter, not to make fun of anyone. It's just the situation. That's, that's that connection that we share with each other. That's very unique. Mm-hmm. Oh, ab- absolutely. We see such terrible, depressing things we also see a lot of really wonderful things true true but yeah if you don't have that that wall up where you can find the humor in a really terrible situation it will it will it'll break you it will it sure will um okay so i guess i guess i want to hear a little bit more about your medical examiner experience um that was while like you were before school going into school uh what how was that overall and how did that prepare you from for becoming a, a mortician? You know, it really prepared me in knowing myself what I was going to want to be as a funeral director. And yeah. I say that because we were told as the transport team, we were not allowed to talk to families. We had to be very hands off. We had to, you know, because we're going into unexpected deaths. The police officers are there, whatever. But I would... I would have so many situations where we would go into a home where an unexpected death had happened and the family is in the corner scared and shaking and the police officers are literally not talking with them. And, you know, they're begging for one more minute to see their loved one. And I just started to go, I'm a rule follower. I am a hundred percent a rule follower, but I need to be with these 
family members, you know, so it really kind of opened my eyes of, I'm going to be a very hands-on funeral director. And the route you're going to go. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, it prepared me for things I'm going to see. Um, the stuff I saw with the medical examiners was a lot worse than what, you know, I tend to see day to day. Now. Yep. What was the worst thing you ever saw? Oh, gosh. You know, it's funny. My kids are really morbid like I am, and they always <laughs> want to know all these cool stories. And you're breeding them. <laughs> <laughs> making them better people. Um yes. There were, yeah, there. It's one of those things where it's like hard to think of a specific story when I'm asked, and then like randomly throughout the day, different things will pop up in my of head. Course. But um, we had, we had a. Again, I laugh. It's not funny. It was terrible. <laughs> but you just had to find the sense of humor. We had yeah. a, a young gentleman that um, committed suicide by train, and oh, so going to you know to that location and trying again, you just had to find the sense of humor where. Yeah, we're literally going, okay, we were told there's basically five pieces we need to make sure we have, you know, do we have those? Just kind of, it was, it, it, but it was so unrealistic. Like when I, I didn't know what I would see when I got there. And then when I saw it, it was like, okay, I can pretend like this isn't real, you know, but that, it was that bad. It was, it was pretty bad. The, the sense of humor came into it with how do we put the seatbelts on, on the gurney? How do we, you know, but at the same time, you're like, we've said, you have to keep that respect of this is a person. I mean, this is mostly funeral director, so we can get into that. Was he just completely dismantled? Like, was it limbs and body parts like everywhere? What what was it actually like in that situation? Yeah. And, and thank you. I wasn't sure how much detail I could oh, get into. Oh, go ahead. Um, mostly it had split him just right under his rib cage. Oh but then it had God. also, you know, split his head. Yeah. And and then one of his arms was off, and wow. Yeah, it was very much the scientist in you comes out because then you start examining, going, oh, okay, maybe it's the impulsor. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the right ear, and this probably goes here. Um, but then at the same time, you know, with the train, it kind of cauterized everything as well. So I mean, it, it really was just kind of a big mess, but um, yeah. But it, at the same time, like that's how I know I was meant to be in this industry because I'm like, it was so cool. It yeah. was so awful and sad. Yeah, um, if you could handle that, you could handle pretty much anything and everything at that point. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. And we, I mean, we had a lot of most. The majority of the calls I went on, I would say, were gunshot wounds. Mm -hmm. um, I think we have a big gun problem in our city yeah. with that yeah. um but we had one i think the story is probably not even that funny but the story that sticks with me there was a gentleman who got drunk locked himself out of his house on accident tried to climb in through a back window and got stuck and suffocated and so trying to oh right trying to be respectful you know suffocated get, on what what did he suffocate on I, just the way he climbed in through the window with his arm and it got stuck with his chin. Oh, no. That does not sound like a pleasant way to go for me. Although he was drunk. Right, right. <laughs> Hopefully he just went to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's that's a good one. Um, okay, so tell us about you at the beginning of your career. I know that you have gone from a smaller family firm now to a larger corporation. I'd love to know um, a little bit about each of those. And then I want to know about the difference in your experience and what you like and dislike about both. And uh, yeah, just, I, I guess, give us a rundown 
a career rundown for us, Dawn. Oh, goodness. Yeah, so I, while I was still at the medical examiners, I had to get my embalming cases for school. Sure. And so, you know, I went down the list, found the funeral home that was closest to my house, went in. Um, they, they actually still make fun of me because I got there and realized the only mask I had was one that said last responder. <laughs> classic and I was like I have to wear it I'm cool I'm a last responder (laughs) I was I was very embarrassed but I went in just to do um kind of a meet and greet to see if I could do the embalmings there and by the end of that interview the owner said come work for me you're wasting your time at the medical examiners that's not what you're going to school for yep come work with me and I was you know took a leap of faith and was like oh okay Uh, all right let's do this um and so I started working there and it is, it is a very small family owned funeral home. Um, I think they're probably, they've been open for about seven years now okay. and we did, we did the whole man process. Uh, you know, if I got a call, I went on the call, I picked up, I met the family, I brought the person back. I met with the family to do arrangements. I was, yeah, yeah I did the, funeral, did the burial went to their house, brought them cookies after. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I actually, I, so the, actually I was just saying to a coworker of mine now with the corporation, that's one of the differences is that the other funeral home, I was gone all the time. I would, right. mean, I would be there too, but I would be going to the county to get death certificates. I'd be going is, to my house to meet with the family. I'd be- it is kind of nice. That aspect of the small funeral home is a nice thing. Uh, it is good to, to get some, some running around to do as opposed to, I don't think any funeral directors got into funeral homes to, to sit at a desk most of the time. So they're mostly people like us that want to be out and doing stuff and always busy, blah, blah, blah. So it is, that is a nice feature of the smaller ones because you get to do some running. Right. Right. And now with being at the corporation, I am at my desk a lot more than I, a lot more paperwork. I have to be at my desk a lot more. Sure. But um, I loved the the small family owned home I worked at was amazing because it we took care of every type of family, every walk of life. The majority of the families we served are Hispanic and we're doing ship outs to Mexico. Nice. But I mean, I had a family I had to help get their loved one back to France. That was a whole big ordeal. Did you get to with? Oh, no. No, honestly, we had to actually have the person shipped to Germany and then have the funeral home go to Germany to then take them into Belgium um, yeah. because you can't, I mean, all the different international laws of shipping human remains. Um, it's going to be tough over there. Like if they all have different regulations, it, it's, it's kind of like states here, but mm-hmm. we don't have different regulations. We're all pretty much under the same regulations, but there they're all as close as our states but they might all have different laws. So you probably have to go through different countries, go through different processes just to like get a body to where it needs to go. Exactly. And, you know, after having, we've, we dealt with getting somebody to Nigeria, that was a big pain. And then we, wow. you know, we did um, to France and then we had somewhere else that Guam. Um, and then I had a, a lady that needed to be sent home to Jamaica and they were like, eh, just put her on a plane. It's fine. Wait, you don't need permits? You don't need, no, just stick around a place. So I kept calling the funeral home in, in Jamaica going, are you sure? Was it first class at least? No, no. <laughs> no, but it just, it was too easy. So then I felt like I was doing something wrong. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's cool. Okay, so what, what led you to transition out of there and uh, go to a, a larger firm? 
Yeah, it was, that was a really hard choice. Um, sure. It was an agonizing choice. So ironically, yeah. back in September, I had kind of just hit that point of, I can't live, I'm burning out. I'm burning out too fast. You know, there's not enough of us to go around. Um, we all get I, that, yeah. Oh yeah. And, and there were some things at, at the funeral home that I was no longer in agreement with. And so I thought, okay, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll branch out. So I, I actually interviewed with the corporation I'm with now back in September, but then I started, you know, that was my family and they were losing other funeral directors. So I actually turned the job down and stayed for a little bit. Oh, okay. And then come this last March, I just, I actually saw on Instagram, I saw a funny meme about making fun of corporations. Uh Uh-huh. And all the funeral directors that commented and were like, no, like this was the best decision I've ever made. I thought, I'm going to try it. I'll try it. And if I'm not happy, I can always, you know, go back. So, and and jury's still out (laughs) on how I feel. Um, You know, I, so I, I, I have nothing bad to say. I really don't. But there is such. Come on, on, give us the goods. (laughs) There's there's such a difference between as a funeral director and Balmer at a family owned, you have so much more control over how you take care of your families. Yes. Mm -hmm. With a corporation, you have to protect and cover the corporation, understandably, just like the other funeral home. But then there's also there and there's the bottom line, no matter what with a corporation, it's money. There's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. take so some of that freedom away it's a different aspect and you're you're more zoned in on one portion of the job as opposed to being a jack of all trades which can be good and can be bad so you can maybe you get to do the part that you enjoy the most I, yeah it's, it's hard i i go back and forth i've never um had the opportunity to do that just coming from a family family owned myself and my apprenticeship i did another different family owned um, but I would be interested to see. Uh, it just, it's always fascinates me the different avenues you can go. And there's a, another service by me. It's a, a trade service and they have like a really uh, unique, cool schedule, cool, uh, quote unquote. But they, they have like three, you know, on shifts of 12 hours or something like that. And I was like, man, that, that sounds kind of nice though. <laughs> it sounds <kinda laughs> But it's it's teach it's teach your own, and I think it depends on what you like and mm-hmm. the vibe of how you are with your coworkers or the family, and that all adds up to your experience. And it's probably a nice thing that you get to to try different things and learn from different people, and keep zoning in on exactly probably what's best for for you. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's. I, I learned so much from being at the family owned home because be, as you know, being in the funeral industry, laws are so important. We have to follow the laws. We have to follow the privacies, you know, all of that. But there's always those situations where you go, okay, I know I need to follow the laws and I'm going to follow the laws, but how can I kind of bend around the situation a little bit to help better serve this family? Yeah. And, you know, being at a corporate home, there there is no bend at all. Like you you have to 100% follow those laws and those rules, even if it is going to hurt that family. Yeah. That's going to be hard because you, it seems like you're such a caring, giving person from your stories. And it's got to be hard because you want to bend over backwards and do what you can. 
but you put yourself into a box. It's it's so hard, but because at the same time, it's like, all right, you're, you're looking out for what's best for the business to make sure it's sustained and you're covering your own basis. So you never have to get into any situations that are a little precarious. So it's just like with everything, there's, there's good and bads to, to what we do. And there's no set exactly right way. It's just the way that you, you have to do it based on your situation. Right. Right. Exactly. Oop, that's a death call here. Hold on just a second. All right, I think the students got it. I'm sorry about that. You know, we've been seeing a lot more business come in ever since we started Mortuary Marketing. And I got to tell you, all the few homes we work with, are they're saying the same thing. So what do we do? We run ads on Google and other similar sites that get directed at families that need a funeral home in your area. It then brings them to a page that we've designed for you that gets the family to call you to inquire for your services. It's really increased our volume big time. It's working for my funeral home, and I think most parlors could really benefit from its uses. I put a bunch of information in the podcast description. Go check it out. I'm always happy to help talk with you and answer any questions you might have. All right, let's get back to our morbid discussion. What? Uh, so that that seems like that's like the biggest difference between the two. Are there any other things that that you can see? Um, that, that separates them from each other, like a small firm versus a large firm, just for anyone that's ever considered do, going one way or the other to changing up their career, which is a nice thing that um, I think we a lot of people get to do now that was not a thing like 20 years ago. Like you wouldn't just bounce around and try different funeral homes now. Right. Like that's a thing where funeral directors move around from place to place and the industry has gotten like way more tight and way smaller in a way. Um, so I'm interested you know, what, what are some of the other differences, whether they're good or bad for each side of it? Oh, man. You know, I, I, I think a lot of it does come down to kind of personality, um, as far as where people are going to be, feel the most comfortable. Um, you know, if they're very, very regimented and, and want to follow specifics down to the letter, um, you know, corporation is, is a great way to go. Yeah. I'm trying to find a good way to put it into words. So like one of the things I really loved with being at a family owned funeral home is if I'm meeting with a family and I know they're really strapped for cash, they're doing, you know, the most with what they can. There was no problem with me saying, you know, I know these prayer cards are super important to you. I'm not going to charge you for them. I'll let my managers know. And I had that autonomy to be able to make those decisions. Mm -hmm. Because even though it seems like such a dumb thing, maybe it's a piece of paper with a picture on, to that family, that could be everything. Yeah. That could be the most important thing. Yeah. Um, and, and you don't, you, 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 yeah, as a bleeding heart, it's, it's really hard to not be able to bend over yeah. backwards and do those, those extra, extra touches. It's like the rigid versus fluid way of operating. Like some people are very more type A where that, that structure is really good for them and they like thrive in that. And other people are the opposite way where they want, like you said, Dawn, the autonomy and ability to, to do things the way you want to do it a little bit, as opposed to everything being down to a T. So I think you're right. I think it has to based on like your personality. Yeah. I will say I am more like you. I don't, for me, I don't like a strict, schedule or a strict 
uh, way of doing things. It probably stems from I don't like being told what to do. <laughs> oh, yeah. I want to make the rules. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'm giving up going from that whole man concept to being at this corporation. You give up a lot of control because, you know, right. you those are like even handing a folder over when I first started, I would be like hugging a folder to my chest yeah. and, you know, need to hand it over to the receptionist to order the death certificates. And I'd be like, but, but this is my family. Right. It's like, I want to get these things done. I know I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to do it the right way. And it's, you, you got to learn to, to lean on other people. And that's something that I've trying to mm. learn to do better, like get better and better with it. It just makes, it does make you a, a better mortician or a better business person, whatever the avenue might be, or just a better human overall, if you're able to to work with other people in an efficient way. Because sometimes like if we're prep room people, like I've been a prep room person, like my whole funeral directing career, like almost 10 years now. And when you're a prep room guy or girl, you can like do what you want. Right. <laughs> Don't dare come in here and tell me when I need to be embalming or when I need to make this removal and this and that. Besides, if it's like a, a nursing home house call, whatever. Otherwise, it's like as long as you get your work done and do it well, that's what matters and do it in the time that it needs to be done. So that's where like that's where that difference mm -hmm. is. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah. It's well, so, you know, one of the stories I was thinking of I, that can really show kind of the difference um, yeah. when I was still at the family owned funeral home. So we had snowmageddon or freezemageddon as texans okay. are calling it where we had the snowstorm that took out our electricity for over a week you probably had a dusting a third of an inch <laughs> <laughs> but to us that seemed like so much snow we got that uh in the last 20 minutes here in chicago so <laughs> right. well, i know i know the rest of the world makes fun of us when we get ice because we shut down and you know plenty of other states kind of nice Right, right, right. That, again, that's the we take the vacation where we, where we can get it. Yep, yep. So you know, back then I was I was still with the family-owned home, and we had had this older lady that passed away, mm -hmm. brought her into our care, and her husband was not dealing well. But you know, mm -hmm. understand they've been married for years. Yeah. So the first, so it's not the first day it snowed. Like that day, my owner and I were out doing pickups all night because um, I, I was the only one that could drive in snow. <laughs> the next day, I had messaged my owners and I said, I will go ahead and go up to the funeral home because I have four kids and I want to get away from them. So I will <laughs> go sit at the funeral home. Sure. So, you know, drove two miles an hour, got there, went in, kept the doors locked, basically planned to read a book and sit by the phones. And I hear a knock at the door, which the whole world is shut down. So I, you know. Abominable, abominable snowman, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> so I stick my head out of the I office. Just that's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was really kind of, it kind of scared me. Well, especially being in the funeral home, anytime you hear footsteps or knocking, you always have that moment where you're like. The head turn? Oh, yeah. No, that's a real person. Okay. Okay. But so I go look at the door and it's this husband, this 80-something-year-old man who has driven in the ice and snow to come to the funeral home. So, you know, I open the door and he says, I'm here to sit with my wife. And I'm like, oh, she ain't okay. ready. <laughs> right. I'm like, well, have a seat in the lobby. So, you know, I run in my office. I'm calling the owners. They're like, get his wife out. Let him sit there. You're there. It's not a big deal. For three days straight, this man came through the ice and snow and sat with me at the funeral home. That's darn cute. Right. And, and being able to, to have that privilege of being allowed into those moments 
And, you know, just holding that sacred space until I finally had to let him know, like, this has to be the last time she's not the last. Then take that to where I am now with the corporation. I had a family that just wanted to come in with a priest and have the urn blessed for 10, 15 minutes. And, you know, when I spoke with the higher ups, oh, sure, they can do that. It's $300. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, I mean, honestly, I don't even feel like I need to add more to it. Like that is the difference. Um, Yeah. It's it's so hard. It is just, it's challenging because we, we have these big hearts and we're at the same time, we're trying to operate a business. Right. And it's like in these situations, it's, you're dealing with so much emotion. You just want to do everything for them. And it's like, how can I possibly charge them? It's like, but at the same time, like the corporation may be a little bit different. I'm more speaking from a small funeral home, but it's like, I'm trying to like make a living myself here too. And people don't realize like how expensive it is to run a funeral home and like all this stuff, it all adds up and all costs a ton of money. It's just to keep the doors open. It's so hard. It's like, I, I can flip flop on that all day long, what, what to do in those situations. But at the end of the day, it's like, you, you just want to do what's best for that family. Really? Yep. Yep. It, and it is, I know their, their finances have to be, you know, the funeral home I worked at before is with, um, owned by a couple that was married. They're, they're no longer married now. They still work together. And one of them was the, it was, it was kind of a funny dynamic because. How did that go? (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, the, I'll I'll be honest, they handled it the best they could because we were such a big family. We were a family. And then all of a sudden mommy and daddy were getting divorced and all of us were like, but what about us? But no, they, there, I mean, there were some arguments, there were some things, but overall I would say they did a great job but it was so funny because one of them is the money spender one of them is the we're going to buy these expensive things for the funeral home we're going to give all this other stuff away to the families for free you know it's we can do this it's fine and then you know the other the other spouse was like well hold on no we still have to stay in business we still have to pay our people like we have to we do have to look at the money so I got kind of a good look from every angle Sure. You know, how do I make sure that we're making the money for the funeral home? I still want my job. I still want to get paid. But, you know, how can we, how can we take care of these families? So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's, that's a good way to see it. And then you see it from a small funeral home, big funeral home. Mm -hmm. Those are, uh, you know, all, all good, good learning experiences for you as you go along. What do you see your career looking like? Well, what are your goals? Um, Where do you see it? moving down the road in the future for you? You know, I've really been thinking about that a lot lately because when I interviewed with this corporation, originally I had said, I want the opportunity to move up, to learn more of the business side, Yeah, you know, all of that. But then as I've been there and I've talked with other directors that have become managers and stuff, a lot of them go back to being funeral directors because it's a, it's such a calling. Like this is working yeah. with the families is a calling and when you're managing, you're still meeting with families here and there, but you're managing the business side. And that's, so I don't know. I actually don't, I do want to try to move up and see how it goes and if I like it, but I also can't imagine not being there to walk with these families. So. Yeah. yeah it's like one of those fine line things where like, well, I want my career to progress, but I don't want to lose these things that made me getting, get into this business in the first place. Exactly. So like, it can prohibit 
you from taking the next step. But at the same time, end of the day, you want to do what, what makes you happy is the biggest, most important thing. As we know, life is too short mm-hmm. for all of us to not do some things that, that really, that they get you going in a good way. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, Dawn, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. That was a lot of fun. I think learning about these differences uh, between your your experiences is super insightful and helpful. And uh, the stories are fantastic. And um, it just seems like you, you're doing a wonderful job. And I'm sure the families are very lucky to have you and your big heart. And um, we hope that that continues for you. And hopefully um, your kids g- can, can uh, to get in there with you or figure out something to, to scratch that itch too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for the humor that you guys put out. Yeah, I love, you. I love your show. I love your Instagram. I mean, the emails are the best. <laughs> come like right in that moment where I'm like, I'm done. I quit. And then I get an email and I'm like, okay, no, I'm good. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, I love to hear that. That's, that's such a great compliment. I appreciate it. And that's why we do it is to, to give a little bit of extra boost to, to those who need it, those funeral directors that need it. And we all know some days that we really do hope you yeah. feel better too. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. I know I've got to go back to work tomorrow. <laughs> so, well, thank you. It was so great to meet you. Thank you for this opportunity.